Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to the Intercooler Podcast. Hi, everyone. This is episode 78. Uh, I'm Dan Prosser, joined as ever by Andrew Frankel. Now, Andrew, we're doing one of those podcasts where we talk about lots of different bits and pieces because yeah. there's been plenty happening. Um, it's Monday morning as we record this after the Russian Grand Prix. What a blinding race that was. And another sort of chapter in this spectacular 2021 season that we're having. Um, I, I can't remember enjoying F1 as much as I am this season. No, I mean, it's like all those rubbish seasons. It's like kind of like payback for all of them. It's just like you know, <laughs> the gods have just sort of said, OK, guys, we realise, we, you know, we, you, you've had it a bit, you know, a, a, a bit um, a bit raw. So we're going just gonna to just chuck everything at you. I mean, it's just amazing. You know, I mean, I was I was quite literally on the edge of the sofa shouting mm. at the screen mm. in the last <laughs> in the last two laps because I mean, I was absolutely certain the moment that Lewis ducked into the pits that that race was Lando's because um, Crofty or somebody in commentary said he can lose six seconds a lap and still win this race. So I thought, let's do it. Mercedes have just completely arsed it up and they've given Lando the win. And I was just so happy. And then, oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. It was just, it was awful to, I mean, you know, I say it was awful. I'm very happy that Lewis won and, and, and massive congratulations to him on his 100th. But I'm afraid every atom in my body was rooting for Lando. Um, and it was just, it was just so, oh, it's just soul destroying, wasn't it? Um, even when Lewis was having his uh, old slicks replaced with Inters, he was saying it stopped raining. Yes. His team came on and said, there's more coming. Yes. Um, so it was such a touch and go decision. And minute, well, less than that, 30 seconds later, there's a shot looking down a long straight. And it was just a deluge. It was chucking it down. And as soon as you saw that shot, you just knew that Lewis had it. Um, he also had a sort of 50, 40, 50 second gap behind him. I had no idea how they managed to pull that out between them. But I just, I just, lost, I just lost track. I mean, how did Max end up at second? Yeah, I mean, 
that is well that's the other thing i want to talk about is it was a a chaotic frenetic race particularly over the last few laps max started right at the back yeah lewis got swamped at the start because he was being very cautious um and yet who is it that comes out on top first and second it's lewis and max you see, now, the question you should ask me now is, has anyone ever actually won a race from the back of the grid? And the answer to that is, I don't know. I think they have. But who and where and when? I feel like Kimmy did it. I know that John Watson did something absolutely amazing back in the it'll be late 70s or early 80s. He came from, oh. like... Have you got it? Well, I found an article entitled Five Drivers Who Won From The Back Of The Grid. Is it all in Formula One? I just want people listening to this to, 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 to know the intensive research that we do before we go into these podcasts. Okay. It's not like okay. we just sort of Mike- make them up on the spot. <clears throat> Sorry, go on. Michael Schumacher, Belgian Grand Prix 1995. He started 16th. That doesn't sound like the back of the grid to me. Well, it, mm, hang on. It doesn't, does it? But Hang on. I can look it up. That I can look up in my... Okay. I, yeah, the trouble is I don't know how much I can trust this website. Okay. Well, well are you, so the Grand Prix data, but believe me, you can trust. Isn't this a fascinating podcast? <laughs> right, Michael from 60th. Yeah, so he definitely... Well, there were at least 24 cars on the grid for that, so forget that. Okay. Taki Anui oh, was in that. Um, so okay, that so the, these are just drivers who won from way down. Yeah, that doesn't count. I want to know if anyone won from, the app from last on the grid. Has anyone ever done last to first? It doesn't seem like they have, does it? See, I don't think so, but I might be wrong. Okay, well, there we go. It, we'll have to do uh, a, a little bit of research into that later on, won't we? Maybe that's, a, that's an Instagram post. Um, has, has any F1 driver ever won from the very back of the grid? Um, yeah, so I just, I'm amazed that with everything that's going on this season, it's Lewis and Max always there and also coming together coming out of the pits and ending up on top of one another <laughs> they're just inseparable yeah yeah they, they are inseparable and i think it just speaks to how intense this title battle is uh, during this season yeah and, and after whatever it's been what's it been i don't know how many rounds they've been sort of you know they must be in the teens by now but they're separated by two points <laughs> now the very interesting thing to me it's Andrew Benson, who I think is, um, with Mark Hughes, the best commentator on Formula One, did a piece on the BBC, which is saying, you know, terrific, Lewis won 100, absolutely fantastic. Um, but he actually thinks that Max is the more likely to be champion because, you know... Lewis really did get that win out of, you know, Lewis was, you know, never looked likely to win that race um, until there were like two laps to go. Um, And going forward, the problem is, is that, you know, the real Mercedes tracks are done now. Mm. So interesting. Yeah. And, you know, so the last two, so Sochi and Monza were real Mercedes tracks. um, And the, the, there was a net gain in points to to Mercedes to, to Lewis of five, yeah. So it's not enough, the, is it? It's not. It's not enough. And so, and, and you know, I'm, I'm sounding like I know what I'm talking. About. I'm not. I'm just literally taking this all from from what Benson wrote. But the remaining tracks are all either absolute, you know, touch and go. Which stage you may you probably favour Red Bull because we think they've got the quicker car, um, or there's one Mexico, which apparently Mercedes have on the hope of Helen. 
So, um, I mean, the one thing we have learned from this season is you can take nothing for granted. And all predictions tend to go out the window. But sitting here right now and knowing what we know, you know, I think not long ago on this podcast, maybe, maybe four or five podcasts back, um, you and I were talking about this and we asked each other who we thought was going to do it. And you said Max and I said Lewis. Um, I might just be in the Max camp now. now. I'm not talking about who I want to. I think I'm talking about who I think will. Uh, I'm not saying it's Max's to lose by any stretch, but I think, I don't know, it'd be interesting to go on. That's another thing we could do. We could go on, you know, when elections come along, I never listen to watch the polls or anything. I just go on to, um, I just go on to the bookies because they know. And, okay. and, and, because, <laughs> and because it's money. Yeah. And the bookies always tell a completely different story to the polls. Um, and, you know, they, they have a sort of like a vested interest, which sophologists don't. Um it would be interesting to go, and I'll do it straight off this podcast and see who's odds on to be world champion now. And I bet the money's on Max. I, I think it is. I just think, uh, ultimately, overall, the Red Bull is quicker. Max is also, he does seem to be on fire at the moment. We're seeing just little silly mistakes from Lewis. Um, also, Lewis, but, Lewis, I'm afraid, is in a, is, is, is in a one-man team. He doesn't he have a teammate, effectively. Well, well, that's something else to discuss, isn't it? Um, yeah. Okay. So, all right. I, I think we're probably agreed now that Max is probably odds on, not least because he's taken his engine, engine penalty. It well, does that's seem the other thing. And, 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 and so that's the other thing. You're absolutely right. Um, it seems almost certain that Lewis will have to take one. Mm. There are so many moving parts that it, it makes it impossible to predict. But it's it's so hard to know, isn't it? Because all it takes is at the you know the start of a race someone to pile into the side of max and all of a sudden it looks like lewis's again doesn't it um so Absolutely. that's why that's why yeah. we have to just keep watching and at the start of the season you know if you have that in one race well fine you know there are another 20 something races to go but now there are only seven races to go and every one really bloody counts you know you can't have a calamity anymore because it's just so much harder there's so much less time there's so many fewer races in which to claw back the deficit um it's so exciting. Can we just talk about Lando for a bit? Let's talk about Lando. Um, <laughs> I'll try not to. <laughs> but uh, there is a school of thought that says he was hot-headed or petulant or whatever for overruling his engineer. Somebody, I won't tell you who it is, but somebody uh, got onto, onto my Twitter and saying he was a brat and it was his fault and, um, you know, shouting, shut up down the radio was you know if that had been max he would have been hauled over the coals for it and everything else. and i just think give the boy a break i mean you're out there in the most impossible conditions trying to hold off you know a, a bloke who's won 99 grand prix and seven world championships you're in a slower car and you've got some bloke you know effectively i don't know just sort of reading out meaningless data to you i think it is understandable at the age of 21 if you say whatever you feel needs to be said to get that bloke to be quiet as quickly as humanly possible because the last thing you need is any kind of distraction um and and the other thing i would say and you know this person said oh you know um lando lost the race well lewis didn't want to come in either lewis ignored the first instruction to come in. Lewis thought that Slicks was the right. Lewis thought exactly the same thing as Lando. The difference was Mercedes overruled Lewis and they did, and McLaren didn't overrule Lando. Um, 
you know, if 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 Andrea Seidel had got on the blur and said, Lando, you come in this lap or you're out of a job, he'd have you'd have come in, wouldn't he? Um, so it seems as though Mercedes knew that there was more rain coming. They did. And either they communicated that to Lewis or they just instructed him in no uncertain terms to come in. It seems as though McLaren left the decision in Lando's hands despite having better information. That's exactly right. That is exactly right. Um, and you know, everybody has the same weather radar. I don't think that you know, Mercedes had some great tactical advantage. Um, they just called it better. And, you know, and if you think about it, you know, you've got whatever it was, two, three laps to go. And you think, well, I'm going to lose 28 seconds or whatever it is in the pit stop. And I'm already three. So that means I, I'm going to have to, to have any chance at all of winning this race. I'm going to have to catch this bloke by seven or eight seconds. Like you'd think, well, that's insane. But actually it was, well, as we all know, brilliant with the benefit of hindsight, it was the right thing to do. So, you know, I, I you know, I completely understand why Lando did what he did. Um, I think he was very hard on himself. Um, which is what I also understand. But, you know, there was no attempt by him to sort of say, oh, you know, the team let me down. You know, they should have overruled me. He took it on the chin. Um, and he'll learn from it. But yeah, I do think it was an absolutely golden opportunity. And, you know, who knows with this insane season what's going to happen next. And maybe, you know, where they go next, Turkey, isn't it? Um, you know, maybe something mad will happen then. But if you just look at things in terms of what is likely to happen... It is likely Lando won't win a race another race this win a race this season now, isn't it? And he probably knows that. Yeah. However, um, they McLaren came within a rain shower of winning back to back Grand Prix. I know it's great, isn't and it? Both of them, both of them. Okay, some circumstance, but both would have been on merit, um, i.e., not just totally madcap chaotic Grand Prix opportunist wins. They would have been on merit. And they, 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 they would. I mean, they did obviously require. Um, Max and Lewis to get together um, in Monza for that to be yeah, possible. Daniel was leading, wasn't he? Yeah, it's true. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. Um, and and yeah, yesterday would have absolutely have been on merit. Uh, but again, you know, Lando was on pole because quality quality was wet, I guess. Um, and, so you know, some I, circumstance playing out. But. Yeah, and, and, and when it's wet quality, it's always the driver who happens to be out when the conditions are optimal who gets pole position. So, you know, I think there are any number of people who will say, well, you know, Danny Rick was lucky to win in Monza and Lanzo was lucky to be in a position to win um, in Sochi. But yeah, I mean, you know, th- that team has just done so well, hasn't it? Mm. Yeah, it wasn't the Ferraris up in that position, was it? It wasn't no? the Aston Martins or the Alpines. It, no? was, it was McLaren. Yeah. Um, yeah, we need to investigate that a little bit. Exactly what have they managed to turn around? Um, do, we, do, do you know anybody who might be able to write about something like that for us? I think uh, I, I've I, got I, someone on my mind. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think Karun may, uh, may, yeah. may be coming to our assistance there. Yeah, we'll pass that one on to him. Um, okay, so I also want to talk about Bottas briefly. His blushes were very much spared by that late rain shower because because of all the chaos that ensued, he was able to sneak up to, I think, fifth, wasn't it? Fifth or sixth. Yeah. But score he, some points. He was a like reasonable that. He result. Was down, but before that, he was like 14th. My God. And he you saw, nowhere. we all saw what, what Verstappen was able to do. And Bottas was in, that Mercedes round there is the quickest car. It's just full of corners, Sochi, that the Mercedes loves. Yeah. Um, and he was, he was quicker than anyone throughout Friday practice. Uh, Bottas was. And yet he could do nothing. And did you see his... He didn't even try to defend against Max. 
No, that was. I thought that was terrible. You know, pfft. is that because he's on the, on his way out? I don't know. <laughs> well, it may be that he's completely demotivated. I mean, you know what Karen says um, about this is that he's he's unbelievably quick. He's one of the quickest over a lap. <clears throat> but in a race, you know, certainly compared to Lewis, he just kills his tyres. So as you go through a race, his his performance relative to Lewis just does that. Um, and um, yeah, and you get what you get, don't you? You get what we saw in Sochi. Uh, but you know it's not it's not enough is it to be quick over a lap you know you know you might get you know as he has done you know you might get the odd fastest lap but you know on brand new tyres fair enough but if you you know you win races by being quick over a race and that is what Lewis has been so supremely good at Um, and yeah I mean you know it's difficult for Lewis because you know Perez I think is a very solid number two and you know, it's not like they're a train out front with everybody else queued up behind. But, you know, I think he does his job well. Um, and Lewis just doesn't have that kind of backing. So even when, quite tactically, whatever they say, you know, they stick him down the back with a new power unit with a job to get in Max's way, hold him up, keep him behind you. And Max just drives straight past him as he might drive past <laughs> you or me. You know, that's not doing the job, is it? No, no, it wasn't impressive. Uh, okay, well... 100 Grand Prix wins for Lewis Hamilton. Um, I mean, he was already out there on his own uh, in terms of race wins ahead of Michael Schumacher in 91, but 100 Grand Prix wins, just a, a staggering achievement. Okay, here's, um, here's a stat which I've worked out all by myself and I haven't seen anybody else. No, no, this. no, I was going to give you this stat. <laughs> okay, go on. You, you give me the stat. I'll be amazed if it's the same one as I've got. Right, okay. Go on, off you um, go. Uh, how many Grand Prix have Brazilians won? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Um, I have absolutely no idea. How many Grand Prix have Brazilians won? One hundred and six. Wow. Okay, so that's so that's Ayrton. Yep. Mo. Yeah, Nelson. Nelson. Who else? Massa. Massa. What? One of you. Um, so I think. Ha- well, I don't know. That's amazing, because we think of that country as being a, a fantastic, you know. Um, place for and and yeah so lewis will probably get there won't he it looks like it we think he's going to do another two seasons um he's got every opportunity to get there however i mean these statistics are always skewed aren't they because to to exceed in in these sort of in statistics like that one you need to be competitive you need to have been competitive in the modern era because there are so many more races. Exactly. Drivers arguably have longer careers. Yeah. The cars are more reliable. Yeah. Um, and so what that tells us, really, that statistic, is that apart from Massa, who didn't win the championship, Brazil hasn't had a top draw uh, Grand Prix driver for a long, long time. No. Okay, can I give you my stat? Go on. And again, this is also large or partly because there are so many more races. Nevertheless, Lewis has now won more races than Jackie Stewart did Grand Prix. Mm, of course, because he did 99. Jackie did 99, of which he won 27. Lewis has won 100. Jackie was in... So I think Jackie's career started in 64, 65. It certainly ended in 73. So Jackie did nine or ten seasons. And OK, Lewis is into, what, his 13th, 14th season now. Um, but even so... To have won more races than Jackie Stewart, who is absolutely regarded as one of the finest drivers this sport has ever seen, than, than Jackie did entire Grand Prix. It's just extraordinary. 
Mm, yeah. Well, there we go. Bravo. Congratulations to him. That is some achievement. And more to come, I would have thought. <clears throat> um, okay. All right. Well, let's leave the Russian Grand Prix there uh, and talk about a new TI initiative, I suppose, uh, a young writer competition. Um, now, this is born out of necessity, isn't it? Because we've had two young writers on the intercooler um, yeah. and they've both been nicked. Yeah. Uh, so we need a new one. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, do you want to, do you want to pick up the story then? Yeah. So, um, so this came, didn't it, from when we started um, the TI app. Um, and if you're not on the app, um, you, you probably won't know about this because you won't see any of the stuff that our young writers have written. But when we started the app, um, we both felt it was incredibly important that one of the things that it should do, probably the most important thing that it would do, would be to bring on new talent. Um, you know, I certainly felt that, you know, I was very lucky I went to Autocar, which is the, you know, the greatest training ground. Um, and, you know, I kind of lucked and lied my way into it, but that was 30 something years ago, and, you know, and the world's a very different place. Um, but it's a very hostile environment out there. Um, and, you know, if people like us who are in a position to help don't help, then ultimately what happens is you know, you don't get the quality of motoring journalists coming through. I mean, there will always be people who do it because there will always be a demand. Let's hope there's always a demand. But we don't want motoring journalists. We want absolutely top-class motoring journalists. And you, know, and you don't get that without, frankly, having a place for your words to be published and having people who've done it a bit going through those words um, and pointing out you know, how they might be improved. And so we had our first one was... Yusuf Ashraf, um, absolute lunatic, um, you know, imported his own Alpha Julia, age 17 from Italy, uh, which was just the sort of thing that um, that we wanted. Um, and he didn't last long at all because, you know, Auto Express saw his talent and, um, you know, and that was that. That was, you know, bye-bye Yusuf, which, you know, we couldn't have been happier. And then, you know, Charlie Martin came to us um, and and his progression through us, if you, you know, people only see the finished product. Um, they haven't seen the amount of times it's sort of been batted back between him and us. Um, but, you know, it's fair to say that his first, his early stuff was very raw. And then by the end of it, um, he was writing fantastic stuff, um, which we were proud to publish, not very changed at all. But more than that, he was having really, really good ideas, uh, ideas that demonstrated not just his writing talent, but his passion and his knowledge um of cars and the sport and everything else um and you know, to the extent that when um haymarket publishing which owns what car classic and sports car and and um our old um gaff auto car um advertised for a new apprentice um you know charlie was able to go to them show them the body of work that had already been published um frankly you know work that was you know w was an awful lot better than it would have been um if he hadn't been able to be you know brought on a bit by some people who've um who've been around um and now he's gone too you know he's ended up you know and and, and he, he is now an apprentice at um what must be the biggest and certainly best publishing automotive publishing house in the in the country and, and i just know that his career is is going to be fantastic because he's got the knowledge and he's got the passion and he's got the talent um, and that's what you need um and so yeah um we need another one um but so we put out something on instagram um 
last week asking for people to send in people age 21 or less under sorry um to send in a 500 word story about anything they liked as long as it was interesting and automotive and not likely to have been read anywhere else and their work alone um and we've already had a load of entries for it and one person because you know we're only a well, basically, you know, TI, as you know, is, is kind of like you and me um, and, our, and, and our backer. So we, you know, we're not in a position to offer anyone a full-time job um, or even offer them a lot of work. But you know, they will do some stuff for us and we will do for them what we did for Yusuf and for Charlie. And, you know, our fondest hope is that, you know, as soon as whoever this boy or girl comes on board, that, you know, the bigger, wider world who are in a position to provide, you know, a life-changing opportunity for these people... Um, recognise the talent that we're fostering, and um, and then nick them again. You know, the, what, it's, it's a really weird position to be in, isn't it? Hoping someone comes and steals your staff, um, but that's where we are because that's what it's for. And you know, I'm just so proud of Yusuf and Charlie, who both listened and learned. And you know, Charlie's been very kind, has been kind enough to write some you know, very nice stuff for us in his sort of farewell piece. But ultimately, the success is his, and everything he gets will be deserved because. You know, he had the raw material um, and then he, through his own efforts and with, you know, some guidance from us, but through his own efforts, he crafted it and turned it into stuff that could be published, uh, stuff that could be noticed, stuff that has ultimately, hopefully, as I said, resulted in a life changing uh, opportunity for him. Um, And that makes us very happy. Yeah. So the the winner of this competition will have their work published on the intercooler. They'll get paid for it. and it's, I don't know, I suppose it's sort of up to them how long they're around. Hopefully they'll find a job fairly soon after. It's worked a couple of times already. Um, the window closes in a couple of weeks, so you've got plenty of time to get your entries in. Um, just send them to info at theintercooler.co.uk and we'll find them. Um, if There are a few more details over on the Instagram site. You'll find it easily enough at the intercooler. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is an important thing for both of us. I... I um, I owe my start in this industry to winning a writing competition for young writers. Um, it was a motorsport news one looking for a young rally journalist. Um, it, it, the competition only ran once uh, and I won it. <laughs> um, but it, it was a big help up and it got me uh, doing work for motorsport news and autosport when I was 18 or 19. Uh, and that was enough to to demonstrate that I was enthusiastic enough, that I had a bit of experience, that I could write, so that when um, a job was advertised on uh, a magazine, I had enough of a CV to go and apply for it and, and get the gig. So that was my route into the industry. That's the, that's the thing, isn't it? You have, to, you have to find a way of making a CV stand out. And goodness, if you've been published, if you've won something, if your work has been recognised by some people or somebody... Um, that is itself um you know credible um you know that is often the difference isn't it so yeah get your entries in get your entries in yeah we're we're looking forward to reading them uh okay i just want to ask you briefly about your caterham you've written about it a few times on the app some wonderful pieces about it actually um have you been using it recently well i did um so um i the weekend just passed um was meant to be um so me and a few um motoring journalist mates of my generation rather than you uh, every year we go off um and 
depending on who's hosting you know they come to me or we, i go to their houses or, or whatever uh, and we all turn up in silly old cars and and spend a couple of days hooning about um you know having a good time uh very sadly um because uh one of us has had a um a family member get ill um not able to do it this weekend we'll reschedule it and i'll look forward to doing that but i was kind of in caterer mode and i just thought well i'm not just going to leave it in the shed um and so I, I did what i always sort of do um and I, i've never ever regretted it i set an alarm for five o'clock i've never i hadn't driven the caterham in the actual pitch black because you know I've, I've only had the car through the summer and you know my early morning tries and those have been daylight so i wanted to see what that was like um and i just got in it on my, i was probably in the car and on my way by half past five in the morning and i just drove it um out to the mountains um for i don't know hour and a half two hours on my own on totally empty beautiful roads and i just i don't know i I can remember just sitting there thinking i'm not sure there's anything i'd rather be in i'm not sure how you could i can see how you could go much faster because it's not a particularly powerful car it's only got what 135 horsepower but i just couldn't really see how within the context of what you can safely do on a public road how you could have much more fun than that just sit there and the noise and the immediacy and the gear change and the steering and yeah and this is just a silly old caterham it's a 1997 car i think um as i said without a particularly powerful engine but it was just it just made me very 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 happy and so i got to i don't know if well if you listen to this goes climbing in the beacons you'll know story arms and the base of where you most people set off to climb up Penny Fan. And so I sort of marched up to the top of Penny Fan, took a photograph of myself uh, at the top, came back down again, got in the caterham. And actually, surprisingly, because by this stage, it was sort of like, you know, it was completely light. It was probably nine, ten o'clock. Had another quite good run home. Um, and yeah, I mean, sort of by the time most people are settling into their cornflakes, I just had this fantastic experience. Just this wonderful, and you know, you and I are so lucky. We get to go to so many places and do so much stuff in such amazing cars. But I don't really think that any of it has made me happier. And that's, let's face it, what it's all about. It's just about the smile on your face than just hooning around Wales on wonderful deserted roads in my own car, making wonderful noises. Um, That's the car, not me. Um, And... Yeah, I mean, it's just such a simple pleasure, isn't it? I mean, there's really very little to talk about because it's not like, you know, I was, you know, with anybody else or, you know, had any particular destination in mind. Although, you know, when I did get there, I went up a mountain because I thought, well, why wouldn't you? Um, It was just driving for the sake of driving. It was just driving for sheer pleasure. And, you know, I think so many people do it the other way around like you know they think oh we've got this journey we've got to go and see you know auntie joe wherever and so um, we've got to go there at this particular time how can we enjoy this drive well we could take the old car and maybe figure out a bit of a route or something and that's how people i don't do that i just think i want to go and drive a car so what can i do to do that okay first thing i do is i'm going to get up really early and I'm just going to do that. And you never regret it. You know, have a snooze in the afternoon. Make, make up, the, you know, if you lose some sleep, get the time back. Um, and, you know, I'm lucky as, as you are to live quite close to some decent roads. And just go and drive for the sake of it. You know, if you are making your, if you are adapting your drive to something that you've already got to do, it's always going to be compromised. But if you're just driving for the pleasure of it, let us say, for instance, for one reason or whatever, you get completely held up um, by something. 
turn round. Try, turn right, turn left, take another road. Doesn't matter because you're not going anywhere. You're just driving for pleasure. Um, and it makes me very happy. So there you go. So I did drive the Caterham and it is fabulous. There is, there's definitely something in that. Driving without a specific destination or a time limit even in mind. It's, it's, it is wonderful. It makes such a difference. You just sort of choose where you go. You, you think, oh, well, I'll go over that way this time. I've not tried this road before. And somehow it, it's, it feels totally different to it feels liberating. Um, driving with a destination in mind. It's, it's liberating. Yeah, it's brilliant. I do love that. Um, good. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, you're a lucky boy to have a, a caterer in the shed. Uh, able to pull it out when the weather's good and you feel like a drive. Yeah, I mean, but, it, it, but it's not like, you know, it's a, I don't know, a 620S or anything. It's not like a, you know, a 50, 60, you know, it's, it's a very affordable car. Um, you know, it's a, I'm lucky, it's a, you know, it's a nice car and, um, you know, and it's, and, it, and it's in good nick and everything else. But, you know, this is, you know, this, this is not massive money. This is, you know, very small hot hatch money. Um, and you can have a thing which is more rewarding than any number on those sorts of roads than any number of hypercars. You know, I, I, you know, you can have, be on there with a thousand horsepower and not have as much fun as I had on with one hundred and thirty-five. And I absolutely mean that. Um, yeah, mm. <laughs> they're great things, aren't they? Fabulous. Uh, okay, all right. We're well, talking of a thousand horsepower. Ah, yes. Um, just to finish this podcast off, uh, we haven't. Across all of TI, we haven't even mentioned the Porsche Mission R concept, um, which emerged at the, the recent motor show in Munich, wasn't it? Um, but it's an interesting thing that I think we should discuss. It's, it's actually a, it is a concept car. It previews um, a one-make racing um, car that, uh, that Porsche is supposedly going to get on the racetracks in 25, uh, but it's all electric. So people think it actually previews an electric Cayman. <clears throat> um, several years down the road, presumably. Um, but it's technically it's quite interesting, I suppose. I, I mean, we'll come to how interesting an electric racing series is and how many people, particularly a, a customer series, how many people want to do that? I don't know, there must be some, but it can't be too many. Um, so this thing has twin electric motors. It's actually a Taycan powertrain, more or less, or using the motors at least. Um, 603 horsepower in, in sort of normal mode, up to 1,073 in qualifying trim. Um, so, yeah, I mean, staggering numbers. We're just used to those numbers now, though, aren't we, from, from any sort of high-performance electric car. Um, it's got uh, an 80 to 85 kilowatt-hour battery, um, and it weighs around 1,500 kilograms. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Um, sorry. So, yeah, I mean, it's probably about the same, similar amount, actually, I suppose, to a, to a Cayman, but it's a racing car rather than a road car. So what does that tell us a road car might weigh? What, another 100, 200 kilos more, something like that? <sighs> might do, might do. But, I mean, this is all quite a long way away, isn't it? You know, they're talking about racing it in, well, I think, 26. So we're still, it's still five years out. Um, I think it's a really interesting thing. I think the you know what interests me is that Porsche has no intention of. So the the point about the car uh, and the way that it's spec is they want it to lap at about the same sort of speed as a Carrera Cup car, um, and so that made me think, oh, it's going to replace Carrera Cup. But Porsche says that they have no intention of that. They, they, they said that they'll race Carrera Cup for as long as they possibly can, um, 
and now that that series um is it all carrera cup runs or just super cup can't remember but anyway they, they now use synthetic fuel um in carrera cup so you know it is a lot greener um than it was um i think the point about it um and particularly talking about your idea of you know how interested will people be in an all-electric series i think at a certain level it won't be drivers so much as sponsors you know there will be it's all about um companies who wish to have a presence in motorsport but also wishing to you know be seen to be putting their environmental good citizen you know credentials to the fore and even with synthetic fuel i suspect there's going to come a time when sponsoring stuff with internal combustion engines is just going to fall out of fashion um and then you know well what do you have well you have a car here which looks amazing um it's just as quick as a cup car and yet it is environmentally saintly um and i think that's the i think that's the sell i think that's the pitch um and i mean for myself i'd find that you know more interesting than formula e i just would um you know particularly if as appears to be the case um it's based on the next generation pure ev um cayman and boxster i think it has a relevance and an interest there that formula e just isn't going to have um so yeah i think i think it's interesting i think it is interesting um i'm still i'm still struggling to get excited about you know about electric racing i saw that um somebody had an all-electric track day i don't know if you read that um and, and and people were going around not just in sort of Taycans, but they were going around in ID3s and and that sort of thing. And you know, fair enough. I'll be interested to see if they have another. Um, I mean, yeah, you, know, you, you can shout and scream, can't you? But that's the world we are moving towards, um, and we are going to have to find a way of deriving some kind of enjoyment from it. So, you know, I welcome it. I think you know, the, the 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 mission are. I think you know, it's. It's interesting. Uh, I understand why they're doing it. Um, does it thrill me to my bones? Not yet. But, you know, the, the world will seem a very different place in 25, 26. Um, and there won't be as many alternatives. Uh, and there will be many other more cars like it. We, we will have come to accept it and be used to it in a way we just aren't at the moment. Um, yeah, interesting car. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're targeting forty-minute race uh, races, which is, you know, I think that's quite good. It's that's pretty, about what it is. That's a that's significant. Like, like longer than a Carrera Cup race, or maybe about the same yeah. time period. Yeah, so it's, it's not exactly Mickey Mouse ten, fifteen-minute thing, is it? So, yeah, I mean, if they're able to achieve that, then crack on. Um, yeah, good. Okay, all right. Well, we'll leave that episode of the podcast there. Uh, remember to rate and review the podcast, please. That does make a big difference. Uh, and go and check out the Intercooler app as well. Just download it, start your free trial. Uh, yeah, you'll like it. We think it's good. Can I just? Um, can I just? I should have done this at the start. Can I just do a quick shout out for a character called Dan Jackson uh, who contacted me on Instagram um, saying, "Why haven't you done anything on the Mission R?" Um, we should have done, and we have now. So, thank you, Dan box ticked Uh, okay thank you everybody and as ever we'll be back to talk to you again next week look forward to all the best
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.